This is how I win. How'd that get in there? Were you rushing or were you dragging? I drink your milkshake. What am I going to do with a soul anyways? You show me a pay stub for $72,000 on it, I quit my job right now and I work for you. Yeah, Jake, it's Chinatown. Hey, everyone. It's uh, Taylor here. I normally don't lead off the pod. <laughs> Ben's here, but he's being weird and making me lead this. Welcome this is a twist, bro. It's the this, twist. This is our Shyamalan extravaganza. I've been wanting to do this pod for years, and Ben and Bilmo have told me to fuck off every time. Every time I bring it up. <laughs> We've never had just a general Shyamalan discussion. We've talked a lot about Split and Unbreakable and Glass, but... Not really any of the other stuff and kind of how we feel about the man as a whole. So in honor of knock at the cabin and, you know, the nearly 25 years of Shyamalan being relevant. I mean, six cents came out in 99. He had two films before that, but let's be real. No one's seen those. And uh, here we go. How, how are we feeling guys? What's what's on your mind? This is an open forum. I mean, Shyamalan's on my mind because that's why I'm here. Right. <laughs> All right, yeah. Healy, what were the very first two movies that Shyamalan has a director credit, or was the director? So I know one of one it? of them has Rosie O'Donnell in it. I, I, is it called Wide Awake? Is that, yes. is that what it's called? Ding, ding, ding. That's one. And then there's one, Point number there's one. one that he came out with like six years before. I can't remember what it's called. I haven't seen either of them. Ooh, ooh. Bilmo, you got it without cheating? You got it? I don't. <sighs> Taylor, you know it? You I already know up, it. I looked it up, but I forgot the name already. All right. It's called Praying with Anger, and uh, he is yes. on the cover of the movie. <laughs> that sounds, that sounds like a, a quick... movie that a, an edgy, like, 13-year-old Reddit atheist would make. Yes. <laughs> All right, and Bilmo, out of 10, what's its IMDb score? What, the Praying with Anger? Praying with Anger. IMDb score out of 10. And I'll tell you this, there's Five 950 two. reviews. 5-2? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Healy? Uh, 6-1. Taylor? I'm going 4.5. Wow, dude, he knew it. It's 4.5. Oh he, he has a photographic memory. He knew it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I've I seen it before. Yeah. You watched it? Another... No, oh, I, you... saw the, oh, I saw the rating. Oh, okay. I haven't seen it. Ah, ah, okay. Should so I do that another, for the pod? Another piece of trivia. <laughs> yes. What 90s teen comedy did Shyamalan write? What? Teen comedy. 90s teen oh, comedy. Gosh. We talked about this on an earlier pod with your Scott on, Derrickson beef. Oh my god! I called him out on Twitter about <sighs> this, and he ne- he never got back to me. Is it she's the man or she's all that? Close. She's all that. She's all that. Holy got shit! It. He the, fr- the Freddie Prince script. Jr. one. Yeah, that's insane. It's, it's crazy because I. I want to say like it's not if you go to the, like the IMDb app or something like it doesn't yeah. show up, but if I'm you looking. go to Google and you act, and you look up the movie that way, he's credited as a oh, dude, dude Taylor Wild. He wrote the screenplay for Stuart Little. Yes, <laughs> he has some weird writing credits. The hell? I need to go back to to She's All That and Stuart Little and like analyze the dialogue. Yeah. Like, wonder if the, if the in, seeds bro. were always there. Oh my gosh! It's yeah, this it's man so talented, dude. He's got to eat, it, right? He's got to eat, eat too. He's right, and and it bothered me because it's why I'm like I called him out on Twitter. I'm like, why is this scrubbed from IMDb? And I had a screenshot of his IMDb writing credits, and then a screenshot of it on Google. And I'm like, what's what's going on? Like that's not by accident. Like I'm man. I feel like if anything's scrubbed from IMDb, it's on purpose. I love Bill Mode on your free time rather than like, you know, trying to help kids eat or, you know, <laughs> pulling people to get access to like ramps if they don't have ramps, accessibility. You're like, this motherfucker has a writing credit Bill- and it's not an IMDb. Why are you suppressing this from the public? I respect Why? the hustle, dude. Just dogging directors on Twitter. I love it. Yeah. You got to hold them accountable. <laughs> what? Bilmo's going to get Jeffrey Epstein if he keeps coming at these film legends like this on social media. Yeah, dude. I know. It's I know. trouble, dude. Be careful. Be careful, Bilmo. I'm worried about you, dude. You're messing with some it- powerful people. <laughs> I know. Gosh. Uh- 
okay, I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask another question. I don't mean to hijack this podcast, but I'm gonna hijack it. First movie that comes to your mind when you think of M Night Shyamalan, Taylor, Six Sense, Healy, Signs, Bilmo, Unbreakable, the- Signs for me too. Damn, Signs. Yeah, dude. Signs scared the shit out of me as an 11 year old, dude. Like so bad. I watched it Same. by myself. So I did a little research though. We were a little young when when Sixth Sense came out, but that that shit was a hit. It was the number two, two movie in America that year. The whole year, whole yeah. year, made almost yeah. three hundred million domestic. It was, it was a like hit. six six hundred worldwide or something in that in that ballpark. If if we had all been born six or seven years earlier, I think we would have said six cents unanimously to that question. That that was a phenomenon unlike anything he's ever made. For sure. That that's the movie that put him on the map. Oh yeah. And it yeah. the only movie that beat it was Phantom Menace. It's like that's insane. That was uh I'm assuming it was a phenomenon in this country for sure. And maybe globally, but that made my household name. Yeah, Six Sense is that's wild. Six Sense is very iconic. It it really for me probably is Signs and Six Sense is the two I think of first when I think of his career. Uh, man, that's wild. So so the he kind of had this. The Six Sense came out. It's like this guy's the real deal. Unbreakable comes out, not the same success. And then Signs comes out, major. And, it's a hit, but people start to say, like, this movie's kind of dog shit, though, right? Like, the film people started to, I mean, it's got a 6.8 on IMDb. I think The and, Village is where people started to do that. Yeah, I, think I that agree. I turning point. The Village is, I think is the where village the narrative is far more divisive than Signs. Yeah. yeah, that narrative solidified with The Village, but I do think people kind of looked at the end of Signs and, like, really? It was fucking water the whole time? <laughs> Yeah, what are the aliens made out of if they don't have any water in them? And why were they trying to harvest and take over our planet if they don't like water? It, it's kind of stupid. I literally just watched it tonight, so this is Corn. all fresh for me. Corn. Corn, huh? I can, I, can I make a I, confession to you guys? Because this is this is part of why this pod is happening, is I've been bugging Taylor for years. I'm like, let me come on your podcast and talk about Shyamalan. And I think you two have been pushing back, like, no, we already talk about this motherfucker too much. Like, okay. <laughs> That's a fact. That's true. So I, yeah. I don't often admit this to people, because I think, especially amongst film nerds, it's, it's considered kind of gauche. But um, I have a list of my, my favorite movies of all time. I call it my Hall of Fame, because I'm a huge dork. M. Night Shyamalan appears on the top 10 of this list, not once, but twice. Two of my all-time favorite movies are Shyamalan. Two? Like one, two? No, no, really? not, not the first and second. It's the, it's the eight, no, number eight. They're both in the top Number ten. eight and number nine, my all-time favorite movies, are, depending on my mood, either Unbreakable and Signs or Signs and Unbreakable. I think they're fucking masterpieces. Wow, not even six cents ahead of no signs. No, it's those two. It's it's wow. those those second. I think they're. I, I think those two are more rewatchable than six cents. I feel like six cents loses its luster after the first viewing a little Agreed. bit. Agreed. Agreed. I don't. I don't know. I kind of disagree. I mean, is one. I I would argue signs. Yes, is probably more watchable. But I I rewatched the six cents. I think it was just over a year ago. Um, because I hadn't seen it in ages, and that movie holds up. Like, it, it what what I I think what really works about it is even knowing the twist, everything still works. Like that's where a movie can fall apart. It's like okay, you know what happens, and on rewatch, it's hard sometimes to make the movie still work the way that it does, and like be just as engaging. But like the narrative and characters, like Tony Collette in that movie, I totally forgot she was in it. She's been needing an Oscar, not just for Hereditary, but for the last like she's so good. Twenty five. This lady has needed something because her scene with the son at the end, where she he sees her her grandma, that that you you can't not choke up at that scene every time. It's mm-hmm. I I really really like the Sixth Sense, and I think it holds up despite I, I I didn't feel like it lost the luster. I mean, you you have like the twist factor the first time you watch it. You know, you're kind of it's you're stunned and it's cool, but then you go back and I think you appreciate it 
for different reasons. You know, you're not chasing that same <clears throat> twist feeling. You're able to like look at the deeper elements of the movie. I think and it's I, a good like watch it two times or three times where you're like, oh, okay, I get to see things I didn't see the first time. But I don't think it's like a fun hang where I feel like no, Unbreakable sure. has and Science has that fun hang where you're with like these families and you're like, okay, for sure. This is kind of, I agree with that. Some stuff's going on and it's like, you kind of have more of that levity where Sixth Sense feels heavy almost the entire movie. And there are some creepy parts in Sixth Sense. Yes. Yeah, it's a bummer. Like, yeah, I mean, the first time I, because, you know, I was too young. I was nine when it came out. And so like, I, you know, saw it on VHS. I still remember watching it um, on VHS and just being so scared of that mom with her slit wrist. Oh my God. Like I just, I, that image is never left. Look what you made me do. It's very effective. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Oh, it's, so, it's good. It's really dude, good. The, the, the but, sixth sense introduced me to Munchausen by proxy. The, the syndrome where in a parent like makes their kids sick so that they get attention. Man, that that yeah, created like, like take care of a fundamental divide between me and my parents. I I just I never <laughs> yes. adults the same from that moment on. A young Blake Lively, I believe. What? I didn't know. There's no way. No, it's it's not Blake Lively, isn't it? Shoot. I'm looking. It's some. It's so. Oh my god. Misha Barden. Misha Barden. You're right. Really? You're right. Is the you're is right, the little yeah. girl who gets OC. sick? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Wow, that's wild. Yep, you're right. I knew it was someone in that that era. That'd be wild if it was Black Lively. (laughs) All right. So, has anyone here watched Lady in the Water? No. I've watched a YouTube video that summarized it in about 40 minutes. So I know what it's about but i haven't actually watched the whole movie I, but i yeah i saw it in theaters when it when it came out and my memory of it is that oh, wow. i really liked it and both my parents really liked it but that in the years uh since it came out it has been shit on so relentlessly by the general populace that my impression of it has gone way down even though i haven't seen it since so like i saw it and i liked it but now I'm kind of like left thinking it's a, it's a shit movie. So I don't know what to say. And that came out right after the village, right? Yeah. It was the next one. Yeah. Two years later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause I remember between the village lady in the water is where the decline kind of started. Cause I think he goes from lady in the water to avatar, the last Airbender. Is that right? Hap- happening first. Happening, happening first. Right. And then, and then avatar. Yeah. God damn. That was Airbender, a spiral. Whoa. bro signs the village lady in the water the happening avatar after earth holy shit hey don't forget devil bro i actually like devil so okay he wrote it did he did he direct he didn't devil's good no devil's genuinely good he he wrote it though yeah he wrote it that's the elevator movie right yes that movie's actually pretty fun yeah, I've caught it. I'm I caught a majority of it on TV once. You know, I like the whole movie takes place in the elevator, right? Mm-hmm. And the devil's with one of them, and like people one by one are like picked off or die. It's like Agatha Christie yeah. meets M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you guys think he too flippantly kills off people? Like it's lazy almost. I feel like he uses deaths as just like, just that. Ah, let's move this along. Let's kill somebody here. Isn't killing one in Avatar the Last Airbender? No one dies in that whole movie. None of the major characters do. <laughs> you gotta save them for the franchise, you know. Am I the only one who's seen that? Or has anyone else here seen I that? I haven't. I will never watch that movie. I, I watched a bootleg copy in some <laughs> random house in Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> Between like, I yeah, saw I that at a it. midnight showing in the theater. You saw it at midnight. I was working at the theater, so it was an employee screening. But yes, I watched it, wow. and we were like, "This is fucking terrible." <laughs> and it had the uh, it had the post credit little stinger, like it There's hinting more at, to come. At, and it's like you're not getting a sequel. There's no way in hell. So it's interesting that like those are the two, I would say, blockbuster studio, almost like films that he did for the studio, right? Like Avatar and After Earth. 
feel like you know those aren't those are like they they're totally different from the rest of his filmography, right? Like yes. did he write Airbender and After Earth? He wrote he wrote the screenplay for After Earth. Yeah, but not so, for Airbender. I don't know about Airbender. Let's check. I actually read a book. I think Ben's read it too. It's called The Big Picture. Came out a few years ago, and they talk about the blunder of After Earth. They were trying to make this grandiose expanded universe using the After Earth IP, and it was just a complete bomb. Like it was just a complete disaster. Yo, he Hundreds wrote. Of, he wrote Airbender, by the way. Yes, hundreds of millions of dollars um, down the drain. For, for I mean, for I think Airbender did okay, but clearly not enough to kickstart a franchise. But yo, Taylor, do you know who has the story credit for uh, After Earth? I don't. Will Smith. I believe oh it. Oh my god, that was his. That. that was his baby. That's that his was, baby. So yeah. Will Smith goes to Shyamalan. Is like, dude, I got an idea. <laughs> we got. Let, this. Me, let me pitch it to you. you They're Philly the guys, you know. Slam dunk, dude. Yeah. yeah. I just feel like it's interesting that you know he tried his hand at essentially the blockbuster movies and just that is not obviously not his forte. Those are I mean I have well, never even, seen even them, Glass. but they seem to be renowned as like the worst movies of all of, of his whole filmography. Yeah. And you were about to uh, say yeah, Glass worst films of all time, and and that's not far off. I mean, <laughs> rarely right. have two films been more panned than those. Right. No, it, I don't they, know I anyone like who liked After Earth. On each list. You know what? A, a pattern that kind of emerges to me as as we're talking about this is that the more domestic Shyamalan is, the better, because when he when when he expands his his scope to you know, oh, it's like some big worldwide fairy tale like Lady in the Water, or it's, you know, whatever After Earth is, and Avatar being like this this IP with this whole this whole world behind it, it falls apart because it's too big for him. But even if it's like an, an, a worldwide alien invasion, as long as he keeps his focus on this one family in, in bum-ass Pennsylvania, that's where he has a chance to shine and and six sense unbreakable it's all very like these are these are scenes taking place in homes these it just like split tense stuff with families know? split is all like it's just james mcavoy's got these girls in a basement and that's basically the whole movie yeah ben ben literally said this to me when we went and saw knock at the cabin that Shyamalan's at his best when he has a small cast Kind of in an isolated and closed space, but like when he intimate gets his, settings, when his field, if it's Madden and he's got the cone of vision, when it gets too broad and there's too many things on the screen, it's just a complete disaster, he, a nightmare. He's, he's designed to be a theater director, you know. It's just got to be all in front of him. It's got to just be sitting right there. Everyone's on screen. Everyone's on stage. They're doing their thing, and just kind of building off each other. Because I've had the, I have the, the exact same thought as you, Jake. It's like if it's too big, if it's too broad. He has no idea what to do with it. He doesn't know where the focus needs to be. He doesn't know what's important. He doesn't He doesn't have a clue. And that's like the happening, right? It's like he starts out really contained, like we said in the knock of the cabin. It's like these really effective scenes at the beginning that get you in. And it's like, we got to move. And it's like, what is happening, dude? Can I say the weirdest no thing about the happening? I know we have some basketball fans here. I remember TNT marketed the shit out of the happening during the NBA playoffs when it came out. I don't know if you guys remember that. They used to do like the tie-in promos yeah, yeah. where it's like, watch the NBA playoffs and go see the happening. <laughs> well, the, the big deal about the happening was that it was, it was like, it's Shyamalan, but it's rated R. And everyone was like, holy, because everything <laughs> had been PG-13 until that point. And I, I, yeah, it was actually the first rated R movie I ever saw in theaters. My uncles got me in. I, I don't know if I wow. think my parents didn't know they thought Damn, we were going dude. to see something else. But, yeah, I was like 14 or 15 whenever. What year did that come out? Oh, eight, something like that. Two, eight. Yeah. So I, I would have been 15 yeah. years old. It was the first R-rated movie Sneaking I ever in. saw in theaters. And, yeah, at, at the beginning, there's a scene where a woman takes a hair pick out of her hair. And it's it's almost like an ice pick. Like it's it's a foot long. And she just skewers herself through the neck with it. And I just remember being like, this is fucking cinema, baby. This is an R-rated movie. <laughs> this is an R-rated movie. It's, There's it's blood a- in this one, bitch. All right. Since we're on The Happening, I think we need to give an award for the worst 
solo performance by an actor, female or male, in any Shyamalan film? Does it go to Zoe Deschanel? I don't know how you for her performance. How happening? do you pick between Marky Mark and Deschanel in The Happening? It's they're both so I, bad. I think I think she's worse, dude. Mark it's Wahlberg's just... in The Departed and is fucking insane. <laughs> and then he's in this movie. It's like, how do you do like this? a year like, apart. How does... Yes, it's like in the same era. I'm like, how do you do that? It's, that but that it's makes the me director. Think... Yeah, director. that makes me think it's not him, right? It's the dialogue. He's being directed to act a certain way. And, you know, obviously in conjunction with the dialogue that he's having to deliver. Like, I've seen like clips of like, you know, B footage of like Shyamalan directing Mark Wahlberg. And there's like a scene, I haven't seen the happening, but there's like a scene where like something about fruit and like Wahlberg's like questioning Shyamalan. He's like, this doesn't make huh? sense. <laughs> like what my character is doing here. Like it doesn't make sense in this, in the context of the story. And like, I, I forget what Shyamalan says, but like, it, it didn't seem like it was a totally, you know, yeah, fluid cohesive relationship and cohesive between them. I feel like there was some friction, and uh, yeah, I I don't know that I blame Wahlberg on that because yeah, you have his body of work to show that he can just be Oscar winning killer, you know, and when he's handed as a script with Shyamalan, it's just a total shit show. It's it's all the dialogue, the the script writing. This was a scene that never quite sat right with me, but in in retrospect it's so much worse so when i'm when i'm not setting the podcast world on fire with with you boys at night my my brothers in christ i am a i'm an english teacher is is my day job and there's a scene Wahlberg is a, oh, Wahlberg yeah. is a teacher in in the happening and there is a scene at the beginning where he's talking to his students in the classroom and i swear to god it is the worst written thing i have ever seen it it does not resemble any classroom that has ever existed on this earth. And then it just gets worse from there in the movie. Like they're, they're rooming with this old woman at one point and the old woman's like, have you come to murder me in my sleep? And Wahlberg just like, what? No, like I've never <laughs> seen anything like it. And, and you want to blame it on Wahlberg, but then you like, just think of the words that are being said. And you're like, is there any way to deliver this? Well, and the answer is unequivocally. No. Yeah. Fair, fair. And it's like, give him some... another take, at least. That couldn't have been the best take. You could have done a better take at some point, you know? That movie has a very wow. specific vibe, and it's very similar to The Wicker Man with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very similar vibe, if you really think That's about it. I heard. The, and the, the, thing, the interesting thing about Wicker Man, so the director of that, Neil LeBute, um, he has actually said, like, he, he, like, he's come out and said, he, we knew what we were doing. Like I weren't, you know, we weren't trying to make something serious or like on the same level as these other horror movies. It was just like we were trying to have fun with the with the idea, and like we were kind of making a horror comedy to so be campy. They like, were like being campy with it intentionally, yeah. And like they they knew what they were they, they knew what they had, and they knew what they were, he was trying to get out of. You know, you you cast Nicolas Cage, he's going to give you exactly what you want. You know, and I don't know. I think there's a big difference between like something like that. And it sounds like what happened in The Happening. Yeah. I think that's why The Happening's so beautiful is that it's completely not self-aware of how horribly written it is and how like just hilarious it is to watch. It's a so bad it's good type of movie. Like, look at the prequels of Star Wars. It's the same thing. Like, these characters are delivering. You got <laughs> Liam Neeson, you know. You got Ewan McGregor. And Natalie Portman, like some of these top grade A actors that obviously have all all given like Oscar worthy performances, but they're handed just this shit dialogue in yeah. in, in the context <laughs> of like, yeah, we're taking this really serious, but like, what are you supposed to do? You know, when you're given certain lines that are just undeliverable in any context, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, I, I feel like Shyamalan and I recognize this with old. It is like that was it was some of the most appalling dialogue I have ever heard. The first 20 it minutes, I just I couldn't get over it. So I was bad. like, I it, am I gonna have to walk out of this theater? Like, so oh, bad. we mid sized to Dan, though. and she wanted to get up and leave like 30 minutes in. And I'm just like, oh. 
and everything I, was so on the nose know. too. I mean, oh everything my about gosh, it. dude. You know, this is so. So, here's, so I guess, here, here's a high level question right now. Let's hear it. Is, like is Shyamalan a great director? Yes. No. So I was actually going to ask no. this. That's no. interesting. If we're, if we're right? giving him a letter right. grade, A tier is your top level to D as your lowest. What level is he? Is he a B tier, A tier, C tier? What do you guys think? Wait, wait, wait. Say the tiers. Like, is there so an like A through A through A through D? So we'll say A. A's top, A list, basically. He's an A tier director, dude. He's he's not he's no. not S. He's not he's not Fincher. <laughs> he's not Scorsese. But dude, how many directors can you honestly say have made five outstanding movies? Because I think Shyamalan has. I think he has. I think he has two and a half outstanding movies. I think he's a B tier, and he flirts with being a C tier director most of the time. I think he's a low B tier, high C tier director. That's what I give him. I think that you do kind of have to, you're forced to have with him. You are forced to have like the caveat of, like you said, Ben, like flirting with a different tier because he has a material and he has D material and a lot of in between, mostly towards the bottom. So it's like, it, it's hard not to like classify him as like a one hit wonder kind of guy. Like he kind of has, the one hit wonders. And then you don't really, you kind of forget about a bunch of other shit that he does until he doesn't do something that shitty. But like the last hard to just say that that's like, that's an a director. It's like, I don't know that I classify that as an a director just because you're capable of making an a movie. Does that make you an a director? I think, I think based off of reputation and body of work and Shyamalan's kind of in a weird spot now because he self finances his movies. And so he's yeah. kind of ever since split, he's just been self-financing. Yeah. So I mean, or he actually the, the visit, the visit yeah. is the first one, I think he, he spends about 15 to 20 million and his movies do pretty well. They're small hits a lot of the time, at least since the visit. And so I don't know. I think he's a B flirting with a, as far as reputation background. And I mean, the fact he can get a list stars to work with him. I think he's, here's my thing is that if he would have given us a four-star movie in the last 10 years, hell, last 15 years, I would put him in a higher category. But he you basically don't think Split, Split is a four-star movie? I don't, actually, on rewatch. Fuck? I think I, it's a three and a half. What the hell, dude? I, I, I haven't so rewatched diminished. it, but that it's, Split, in my mind, I think it's a four-star movie, but I haven't yeah, seen dude. it since. You're pulling a Dark Knight take right now, dude. No, it's because it's, <laughs> it's because Glass... Breaks the whole thing apart so badly, it it tarnishes Split. Glass, it hurts. Glass does thing. tarnish Split a little bit. It hurts the whole. But also, thing. Ben, I don't think it does. I just have to call back to the fact that Ben gave the others five stars out of ten, and uh, <laughs> so, I'm gonna rewatch <laughs> it. Right. of Haterade are just really mixing together at this point. Split is a four star movie. Dude. Split on its own is yeah, really fun. really good. That's what. That's my time. point. I think I don't think Glass tarnishes Unbreakable or Split because my my thing is I think both those movies work well standalone. Yes, like, very Split, loosely connected. And I and I do think what what I like about Split there's the the you know the twist at the end is the reveal that it's part of the Unbreakable universe, right? But that that twist comes like after the close of the story, so it's hard for me to be like you know. Split is its own movie, and I think it works incredibly well. And that's what I like about it. Like, if you're going to tie it in to this universe, he at least made a movie that, whether you know or have even heard of Unbreakable or Glass, Split works completely on its own. And I okay. think that's impressive. I'm going to repent. All right. Yeah, you need to apologize. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I just have Knock in the Cabin and Old in my mouth. No, in no, glass. Dude, no, dude, hey. shut the fuck up. Listen here. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to repent. You guys are right. Split is probably a four-star movie. But I think he needs a sixth sense. You know, I mean something that good for me to give him a culturally that high defining level. like hit like Magnum but Opus. Like, but like if he's going to be an A-tier director, he's got to have at least two or three in the bag. He doesn't. Well, he's not even close. I see what you mean because because Sixth Sense, I believe, I might be talking out my ass. I think Sixth Sense was nominated for best picture. 
like it it received it a level of critical acclaim oscar noms left and right yeah so because i mean think of think of tom brady right he he wins those three super bowls at the beginning of his career and then it's like a 10 11 year gap where he's almost there yeah, and gap. he gets there yeah. a few he gets close a few times doesn't get it and then starts to break through again and so I, I almost view Shyamalan's career as like burgeoning on that same thing where if he can come out with something else that just fully gets him the love from not just me who, you know, a, a self-professed Shyamalan fanboy, but like just the, the Academy critics, j- the public at large again, then we've got to start talking about him as like truly a great filmmaker. Because that's, that's exactly right. Because for me, it's like if you're going to be an A-tier director – you're a Fincher. You're a Scorsese. You're a PTA. You're, you're a Tarantino. Kubrick. You're Kubrick. You're, you're Like you're Spielberg. You are a fucking like you're a guy. Like you have made some incredible movies, and Shyamalan has made some really good movies. I just don't think he's even close to that like A tier list for me. So that's why he is like he has A tier potential in theory, but I don't think he's close to that category right now. I think Not he's a man of the people, though. I think I think he. He really is. He's he's a people's director, man. He makes original stories that are refreshing. And yeah. He takes risks. I give him that. I give him that. He does make original content, and which that I'm is, grateful for. That is so rare. A lot of those directors you name are taking IP from other people. He writes all of his shit and makes his own stuff. I think that's awesome. And he's he's one of the few directors, I guess, Will, to go on that, that list that you were just mentioning. He's one of the very few directors who can sell a movie on his name alone. I mean, an M. Night Shyamalan production is a more compelling uh, pitch to the masses than a Paul Thomas Anderson production or a Damien Chazelle proje- production. Like those have more reputation with like film nerds, but as far as just like, yeah, but not financially, what are, like what are getting... normies going to go see? They're going to go see the new Shyamalan movie. I'm pretty sure knocking the cabinet more money than Babylon with a significantly smaller budget. I guess it's like, yeah, how you view it. But I mean, like, <laughs> His movies are like this. so frustrating. <laughs> I think we got him, Jake. I think we got him on that one. On what? The money? Because you could look or at like it. or like the brand. You know, yes. I, I, what do you got well, me look, on? Str- stretch this. What do you think stretch you have this too far, and it becomes an argument for Michael Bay. So understood. But that's what I'm saying. Like, what are we doing? But, but I do think that Sham- the strength of Shyamalan's first four, you know wide release features you got six cents unbreakable signs the village that bought him so much goodwill with the public that anything with his name attached to it and it's a very specific brand of filmmaking too you know you're gonna go in seeing something totally original something that's gonna just like blow your mind and it's probably gonna have a crazy twist at the end and it's it's this whole brand of filmmaking that now two decades later Knock at the Cabin, a thoroughly mid-ass movie, can come out and have Shyamalan's name attached to it, and people are going to go see it because they're expecting something really specific. And I I don't think you get that with almost every other filmmaker working right now. I I mean, I get that. I just don't think that coincides with it being an A-tier director. I mean, getting people to flock to your movie, it's well, is the there's still no debate that most most of what he's done is mid to level dog shit. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> so that that's like the issue. So I get like the brand that he has, and he does like even someone like me who has just been completely disappointed in him for so long. Um, like you know, knock at the cabin. I see. It's like I'm I'm still curious. You know, even people like me that are you know really are disappointed with him still get out to go see okay because like you said you can expect original content which we appreciate and you're almost always drawn by like that twist factor right i think people just labeled him with that twist after six cents like oh every movie he does you can go in yeah i want to go find out what the twist is i mean that's like a thing to get you out there but just because it's getting you out to the theater is is he a tier you know like i just i the more i think about it I do think he has the skills and the potential. It's there. He has full potential because we've seen it. 
And he does have like a very specific language that when he is doing really well at what he's doing, it's, it's grade A filmmaking. He is from a storytelling perspective or what he's doing with the camera or whatever it is. It's just like, he knows what he's doing. So it's almost just like, it's just disappointing. I'm like, every time I see him, it's like, Oh, it's It's, it's another, it's another bomb. Like, dude, like, What's happening? What has been happening since Glass? Like, I don't understand. I'm with you, and and I have I have the same sentiments. And it's I want to put him higher, but I just like for my own enjoyment of his movies. Like, he only brings you so far, and it's been that way for a long time. Because at this point, it is camp to me. Most of what he puts together is all just I'm laughing at the cheesy dialogue. I'm laughing at this like amateur way he likes to stage things on screen. These, I mean, we went into it on the Knock of the Cabin episode we just did. I mean, that to me it just doesn't doesn't allow me to take him serious. And so I don't think there's any shame in him being a B tier director. I just think he's mostly a C tier director. Like his body of work kind of says that about him at this point. I guess if you if you were to, to to like mathematically take the average of his body of his entire body of work, you know you're you're not you're closer definitely closer to a C than you are to an A. I think this is why I view Shyamalan as and and you can tell me what you guys think about this. I view him as probably the most fascinating director of our of our lifetimes because he is fascinating. There's no one else that has. First of all, just captured the public in in the way I, I mentioned before, but then beyond that, I mean, you have no idea whether this dude's movie is going to be like a classic, or if it's going to be like one of the worst movies of the decade, getting a four on IMDb, and like just gets gets mocked for for the next five years. And is there anyone? I mean, is there anyone with such variance in in what his out output could reasonably be expected to be? He definitely feels like a class of his own. Yeah, no, no one that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his his brand is distinct, no doubt, no doubt about it. I mean, the fact we have we're having a whole podcast about him right now. I mean, just about who he is as a person. I give him that. That's that's the fact we're speaking. Of. His name is like you know. I mean, so he's like, he's iconic. He is. Yeah, he, he is yeah. an icon. Very He's-ible. memorable. There's no question. But it's just like, well, what is he remembered for? You know, like just being able to build that brand. He's he remembered for the really great things that he's done. I mean, it's just, I just find it hard. And if you take any filmmaker and if you're looking at a majority of the stuff that they've done and more than half of it is again, like mid to level, you know, mid level dog shit. It's like, is this person, would you be able to say that person is an A director? You know what I mean? So it's looking at it from that perspective. It's just, it's hard for me to come to that level. As much as I know that he has that potential, it's hard for me to say that straight up Shyamalan, he's he's A tier, you know, up with the biggies. Taylor, what so, are Shyamalan's top five movies? Personally? Yeah, personally. I want you, I want you to be personal here. Does he have to be the director or can it be one that he wrote? I guess if you want to include one of those, that's fine. Stuart Little's your number one. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. You can include it. So, I think my top five are in order. Know, um, I don't know if this is okay. Personal taste. I think it's Unbreakable, Six Sense, Split, Signs devil i think that's my top five i don't like the village i know i know jake likes it but it's not for me i i i didn't dig it i do my my top five is very similar to that um it is and and you know just talking to you guys i actually think i've typically ranked unbreakable just ahead of signs i might have to go with signs ahead of unbreakable so i'll go with signs and unbreakable kind of 1a 1b and then the sixth sense split and the village as as my fifth. I think the reason that the village doesn't resonate with people as much is that the twist almost feels anticlimactic. The twist brings the scope of the movie down 
right? You you think this is some like really crazy monster movie in this old society, and the twist is that oh no, this is actually the modern world. These are just a bunch of backwoods lunatics who have built this like Amish type society to to keep the the modern world out, and it. I think most twists, they, they make the movie, oh, that's more intense. That's more insane. Whereas that movie does the opposite. But yeah. I do think it works. It's like more of a gimmick almost at that point. Yeah. Mm. Fair. What about you, Ben? I think I got to go Unbreakable, Signs, Sixth Sense, Split, The Happening. I think that's got to be my top five. <laughs> Because the happening is just so bad, it's good. And the Mark Wahlberg Zoe Deschanel combo is is pretty great. And and I haven't really given the Village a fair watch. Um, I think I saw part of it on TV and never really gave it a full. So maybe I need to go back. Maybe the others in the Village will be a double feature <laughs> for me. Uh, good luck in. finding the others, dude. It's like impossible to find on damn gone? digitally now. Yeah. Jeez. All right. All right, Bilmo, bring us in. What do you got? Top five. Yeah, uh, a breakable number one, six cents. I was gonna say signs, but split. It's between split and signs for number three. Those are those could be interchangeable based upon a recent rewatch of one of them. Um, might have to go split. I I I love McAvoy, but I also love Gibson, dude. So Gibson's good I'm, in signs, dude. He's, he's so good, gritty performance. I like well, it. I, so I'll go. Sp- no, you go. No, yeah. What was that? You go. Uh, split signs, and then, I mean, it has to be the village because I I haven't seen. I mean, it's not glass. It's not old. <laughs> it's not old. Ah, <laughs> old is my number six. I be haven't brave, seen dude. like anything else in between. Like I, so it has to be the village. I I do want to talk real quick about Mel Gibson because. I think the reason Signs is number one for me. We were talking about Shyamalan's dialogue earlier, and I think that Signs is the one movie where Shyamalan's bad dialogue actually becomes one of the movie's biggest positives. And it's because of the performances of Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix. Like, Shyamalan's dialogue, just its, its natural cadence, is so perfectly written for these total dumbasses from rural Pennsylvania who are just like trying their best to keep a couple kids alive during the alien apocalypse. Like, so there's, there's this one moment where uh, Mel Gibson's talking to his, his kids. They're on the bed and the kids are freaking out about the alien apocalypse. And this is my favorite line in any Shyamalan movie. The phone rings and everyone jumps out of their skin because they're all so hyped up about the alien thing. And Mel Gibson shuts the book. He says, that's enough of that. Everyone just needs to calm down and eat some fruit or something. Yes. And it's, it's such a bad line (laughs) that it becomes good because it's so like what just kind of this simple man from the Midwest would like say, he's just like, how do I get these kids to, uh, to, to calm down and just kind of like feel some sense of grounding. I don't know. Eat fruit. Take their minds off of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so both so good in that movie. I just watched this movie like literally hours ago. And the one part that's really bad is where they're in the basement hiding out from the aliens. And he's like having an argument with God being like, I hate you. Why are you make me go through this again? I'm like, everyone can hear you in the room, bro. This is really weird. Like I know like inner monologue, but Jake, well, I have you here since you're the science expert. M night probably has his most significant cameo in signs as far as importance to the plot by far i i'd say and the part where mel goes over to m knight's house and he's like i'm getting out of here i hear the aliens still like water and he's like uh don't go in the pantry i locked one in there how the fuck did m knight Shyamalan? Lock an alien in his pantry. So that's that's what I want to know. I I can only imagine that these aliens have got to be fairly disoriented, it, coming to this new planet <laughs> that where the air is like seventy percent this substance that is completely toxic to them, <laughs> and they're just kind of like walking around dazed, like all this all this exposure to H two O. 
but I I love that that scene with M Night in in his car talking to Mel Gibson because he reminds me of Lin Manuel Miranda in Hamilton, where it's like a really brilliant <laughs> director who just is feeling his acting abilities a little too much and gives himself just a little too much to do. Hard to agree. <laughs> I agree with that. Hell yeah. I I do have to give props to Signs to the extent. I mean, one I have great memory of it. I saw that for my my twelfth birthday. My parent, I had my parents take me to the theater, watched it, scared the shit out of me. Great experience. <laughs> but when I I remember rewatching because I hadn't. I don't know that I had like really rewatched it like as an adult. I think I watched it within the last couple of years, and I I didn't realize, like you know, Signs. Like I love the double meaning, because. You know, the whole movie, it's a crisis of faith, right? For Mel Gibson yeah. and all of the things that he's cursing God for end up being, you know, signs for him to come out of the situation that he finds himself in at a certain right. moment. And I think that all really worked, I think. And I think it's that's one of the few twists that he does that, like, is so cohesive with the actual plot of the movie and, like, makes everything come full circle. It's not just like a gimmick, like the village, like, Oh, they're in a modern world. That's cool. But it doesn't really say anything deeper about or do anything. Like it's an actual character arc, you know, for Mel Gibson in that situation. And I think I, I do think that's some of his best, like screenwriting, like storytelling in that regard. Like I can't remember much of like the dialogue stuff like that, but I think as far as like the story and intertwining, that whole kind of subplot of him because you have the basic plot, right? I love movies that have like the surface plot, like Nope. Nope is another good movie where you have the surface plot that you can go and enjoy. Oh, it's an alien movie, whatever. But then you go beneath it and there's so much more to unpack that is going on in the movie. And I, I love, I do like signs a lot for that reason. And I have to give him props for that. I want to say with signs is so like, random but the the lady the cop she's super memorable in that movie and she shows up in random shit all the time and i'm like hey hey it's the cop lady from signs cherry Every jones th- cherry jones just the way she talks i, I love, love i, I love, love when it. she's like trying to give all these rational explanations for what what they yes. saw outside their house and then joaquin's like okay excluding the possibility that a female scandinavian olympian was running around outside our house last night <laughs> <laughs> right it's good shit i like he that. apologizes though so Jake, I, I'm curious why Signs is is at your number one. Like, what about it sticks out to you over Unbreakable or Sixth Sense? Well, so I'll admit that that with Signs, the value for me is partly nostalgic. I think I saw it at the perfect time in my life. I think I was nine, ten when it came out, and uh, for probably six or seven years there, up until I, from when I saw Signs at age ten to when I saw The Shawshank Redemption at maybe age sixteen or seventeen, Signs was my all time favorite movie. And I found it to be profoundly affecting, not just on the, oh, it's spooky level, but like, I was almost in tears at the end of it as like a 10 year old, like talking, like talking to my dad, like, what would we do if there were aliens? Like, where would we hide? (laughs) Because it was so effective at, at, at domesticating itself to the point where like the most intense scene in that movie, and, and it's really not close, is just a dinner the family has where yeah the dinner's good where they're just like they're all picking you know this is probably our last night on earth like we're probably going to die here in our homes what do you all want to eat what do you like and so someone's like yeah i really love chicken parmesan and it's it's so domestic that it becomes profound like it it brings this sense of like because when the end of the world happens as for you know as many michael bay movies as there are or even a movie like like knock at the cabin that i thought really failed on these on these end of the world sequences when the end of the world comes it's just going to be a lot of humans spending those last moments with the people they love and i think signs captures that in a, in a way that i've never seen a disaster movie capture it i was actually thinking before we did this that that is probably one of his best scenes that he's directed is that dinner scene the last is the last supper for them right and just the pent-up energy and like this like they're grasping at a way to make this a they all start moment, crying but yeah. they're all like we're fucked 
Yeah, like you know, like it, it just breaks, weighs tries on to him. keep it together, but breaks yeah. down. Like that's good. Kid. That's really effective. That's I love a really when effective scene. Mel Gibson's massive arm pulls in walking <laughs> yeah, just like, grabs just like everyone <laughs> get in here. He's like, You're gonna get in here. Yeah. I'm gonna you hug know, the that, shit that, out of you. Yeah. That movie is elevated by the child performances there. Those are some damn the good kid, performances. The kids are great. Rory, Rory Culkin, Rory Let's Culkin go, bro. more so than Abigail Breslin. Well, I think, I think you have Abigail Culkin Breslin's in that movie, there. you're set. Your child performances dude, in M. Night movies are, are kind of his, like, you got Haley Joel killing it, and you've got those two kids in Signs killing it, but then a lot of the child performances in movies since, I thought the child performances in Old were among the worst I'd ever seen, and yeah. I, I think that so much of his scripts are elevated when he gets, and it's, it's not even just the child actors, I mean, Mel Gibson and and Joaquin Phoenix, you know, Mel Gibson's thought about thoughts about the Jews aside. These guys are actors who can bring it on a level that is like they can be action comic, you know, running around the house. We're going to beat your ass, bitch, like playing that up. And then also these really subdued emotional sequences. They have these notes more so than than most. They have this huge range. They have the chops. They got this. They got the skill set. They got the tools. But are we really going to say that Abigail Breslin is good in science? Because I actually think she's terrible. I think she's a lunatic. I like, I agree, <laughs> and it didn't really. It doesn't really come together what her purpose was for the movie. Yeah, just, like bro, she's just weird for the sake of being. She's weird She's just a little weird, bit. and in the Colkins, a little nerd. God, little nerd bitch God gave her that water, water phobia. So that all the water would be around yeah, the house that, for Mel Gibson. She comes into it. These right. are signs, man. These are signs from God. I I got that. That's why she leaves all the cups everywhere. I get that. Yeah, it saved their life. But but why'd they make her an alien? Like she's more alien than the aliens in the movie. She doesn't act like a little girl at all. You've got a little girl, Bill Mose. She act like I don't think she's anything close to what a normal child acts like. No, I mean it's been a while since I've seen it, so I can't recall like specifically her performances. But again, I I just I love the concept, you know that that Shyamalan. He's obviously a man of faith, you know, praying with anger, you know, the <laughs> prereq- the prerequisite to this movie for a kind of a faith affirming message. Essentially, is what he's building in it is like, hey, we don't have to look at all of the negatives as negatives in this life. You know, they could be positive you could all turn into these positive things and i don't know he does something pretty special i think with signs in that regard um and going back to kid performances i mean even though the kid in unbreakable he's kind of a pussy he's not he's a bad, bad. he's I don't bad. Think he's that bad that's a... because the one of the i think one of Shyamalan's best scenes is the weightlifting scene that he has with this kid. oh yeah that's a good it's one, one of the greatest scenes that he's ever made yeah, okay. and, and well, that in conjunction with that, the end scene where he shows his kid the newspaper, where That's he cool shows like, "Hey, I did that," and like, and he like tells him to be quiet, and he's just like in awe. I'm just like, hell yeah, dude! Like this is see, you're. I think you're right, Jake. I think we've nailed that. Like, Shyamalan really does shine in these kind of domestic moments of like when he nails those scenes. That's what really draws you in because Six Sense unbreakable signs they're all very much in deal with these family kind of dynamics and issues very intimately well and i, I do just want to touch really quick because we we've talked a lot about some of Shyamalan's lesser movies without touching on unbreakable which you know even though signs is my favorite unbreakable might be his best there i mean that whole home invasion sequence at the end of unbreakable where he oh, he man. touches the guy at the stadium and realizes like he sees what he's done that he's like got these people hostage in their own home and then he goes there and and just kicks ass by himself and almost drowns in the pool and then from there all the way an actual pool not not a puddle yeah. right from <laughs> from from there all the way to the very end of the movie those last couple of minutes where Samuel they called me Mr. Glass and you realize what he's done that is I mean, we talk about, oh, the Sixth Sense twist and the Sixth Sense ending is legacy-defining. That's his best ending. That's his best twist, that, that Samuel L. was doing all that I, shit. I agree. That's so fucking good. It's it an oh shit more. moment. You're like, oh my goodness. It's so good. It's masterful. It is. It plays into the bigger picture of almost like that's his power, you know, is basically... And, you know, and we find out, you know, he also tries to create villains. Uh, that's, that was the great part about yeah. Split 
is you find out. Well, actually, it's funny because Glass, the best part of Glass is revealing that McAvoy's character was created simultaneously, you know, because the his dad died on that train, you know, that made that basically caused McAvoy to grow up deranged and psycho. Yeah. At the same yeah. time, it created David Dunn, who was a hero. So it's like that. I mean, that was like the one thing of Glass that like worked. But yeah, I don't know, dude. It. It, the Unbreakable, I think that's a top 10 of all time for me if, when it comes down to it. Um, that, that you know, it, if Shyamalan had died after Unbreakable, I'd say, yeah, the guy's in A tier. You know, there's no question about it. He Legacy. left us with two of some of the, you know, two of some of the greatest movies of all time. So you're just, you're just telling me that Shyamalan lived too long? That's the problem? <laughs> so far, that's kind of what <laughs> it, it seems like. Either, <laughs> either die a hero or live long enough to see die. yourself become the villain. Yeah. No, long enough to see yourself become dog shit. I mean, that's, <laughs> in his case, it's kind of what it's turned out to be. And it's unfortunate. If that had happened, I, Jake, I, I, I wonder if... I want him to succeed. I wonder if Jaden Smith, you know? Will Smith's son in After Earth, would have had a better career if it hadn't been just thoroughly derailed by, by that film. I think that's the that's the true legacy of Shyamalan at this point. That's tough. <laughs> pretty big, pretty big L to take on that one. Uh, anything else, guys? Anything else you want to get off your chest? Shyamalan? I guess what's your what's our relationship with him from here on out? I'll, I mean, I'm, I'm I'll in. See anything in makes. I'm in. Yeah, I'm in, dude. Season two. We all will. I'm going. So yeah, my question is, uh, so Jake, you said you'd see anything. Have you not? So you haven't seen all of his filmography yet. So when I say I'll see, and why when I say it? I'll see anything he makes. So I, the reason I never saw Avatar is because um, I, I never. Is that the only one you have? So seen? I didn't see Avatar and I didn't see After Earth. So I didn't see Avatar because it's based on IP, a TV show that I've right. never seen. I have absolutely no relationship to that show at all. And then after Earth, I was taking a two-year hiatus from regular life when, when that movie came out for a, a, a church mission trip and just didn't, uh, it didn't get around to it. And then by the time I had uh, gotten back to the real world, it was like, oh, everyone hates this movie. But everything that he comes out with like in theaters from this point on, Knock of the Cabin, Old, The Visit, Split, Glass, all of it, I'm on board. Interesting. Uh, I'm just showing up for content at this point now. Taylor tells me to see it. I see it. He bought my ticket to knock at the cabin. I was there. I would, I would, I would uh, disengage until somebody like you guys told me it was actually solid, but yeah, I'll keep watching. Who cares, dude? He's one of the last bastions of original storytelling that we have in Hollywood, which is the bombardment of sequels and existing IP. I commend him. For his commitment to original stories, which but is sad that the bar is so low yeah. that it's just him making a movie. Right? Like, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely see it because it's original. It's like that shouldn't be the reason. Right. That's what I, it's like. Devil's advocate here. It's like, would you rather see just some bomb ass, you know, franchise or some shit show of original content? Like, it, there there becomes a point where it's like. Yeah, I'd much rather watch Blade Runner 2049, you know what I mean? Or Dune. Yeah. Some of these things that yeah. are remakes or legacy sequels. Or I get it. I'm not saying that like we don't need original content, but I do think you can only tout the original content so much because if all your original content is dog shit, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to revisit sequels and franchises all day long over this stuff. And so it's, I'm not saying that it's not important, that he's making original content, that he's putting it out there. It's important, but at, at what point does that almost become your, I guess, I don't know, like your a negative on your, like a a blot on yeah. your career. You know what I yeah, mean? Dude. It's like, yeah, think if he dropped, and it's a totally different landscape, but like if he dropped The Sixth Sense in 1990, you know, and did everything at the beginning of the 90s, and then kind of had the career he's had after, when I mean, the late 90s was like so many crazy original great movies came out in that time period. Right. I think Shyamalan gets buried and nobody talks about him. I would think he would. I don't think he would have had kind of this ability to carve out the space he's had just based on the film environment that he's kind of been in. I think he's been really lucky to be 
able to just say, yeah, I made an original movie. Therefore it's something different. Go see it. It's not a Marvel movie. It's not a DC movie that gives him a little boost. It's not a sequel, which is just what the film industry has become. So it just kind of works out. So you're favor. saying like because he came out at a time where we weren't bombarded with sequels and yeah, you know all this content that people were used to that that he kind of came in at the right time. You know, it's just a different model, right? Right. Like the way the studio approaches things now, it's just like, yeah, well, what can we turn that we know people are going to watch in China? And in earlier eras, it was just a different approach, and so he kind of just banked on his early success. And it's propelled him to do kind of what he's been doing. So it's just kind of interesting how his career has played out. And and I think we have a good collection of work. Like you guys were talking about his stuff. And he gave us some great, great movies. Um, I just think he gets a little extra just because of the climate. too. Yeah, well, and, and that's why I'll, I'll say, just kind of to close my thoughts on Shyamalan, I think there's a, a force, this this amorphous force over modern filmmaking that is is primarily concerned with making a buck over making a good movie. And, you know, occasionally we'll get, you know, Dune, Blade Runner 2049, we'll get these great movies that are part of existing IP, but there is a lack of originality. And when a filmmaker like Shyamalan fails, it's a feather in the cap of, of those demons over the film industry. It's to say that, Oh, you know, the original stories have been told. Even this guy can't do it anymore. So let's just make Pirates 7 or Black Panther 8 or whatever it is. And ultimately, I'm that's that's why I'm rooting for Shyamalan at this point. I have connections to his earlier movies, but I think he means something to the movie landscape that is kind of unmatched uh, among you know the the other filmmakers we have and and yeah so i'm rooting for him because when he succeeds i think the movie landscape as a whole becomes better as a result i completely agree i mean i don't think any of us here don't aren't rooting for him like because all of us know what he can do and so it's almost like you said every movie he comes out with it's like okay please like please be good like please be be your yes. best at what you're doing because that's what we love about you. We don't love you because of these failures you've been making. It's we love you because of what you could do, man. And so it's like I I I would always root for him, but he's to me my relationship going forward, I honestly think old was a came to a point where I was like I I'm just going to kind of see how people view it. it I, he's not he he's to me he's lost the automatic viewing ticket. Like, I'm not just because he comes out with a movie, I'm no longer just like, yeah, I'm sold. I'm going to go see it. It's not to say I'm not curious. And again, like, like you could say Damien Chazelle is coming out with a movie. I don't need to know anything about it. I don't need to know the title. I don't know who's in it. I'm there. I'm going to go see it. Shyamalan now is to the point where, like, let me see the trailer. You know, let me see what it's about. Let me, I kind of yeah. want to know more about Shyamalan's next project to get me in the theater. Like, he's, to me, he's reached that point with me. Um, and it's sad. Like, I wish he, he just, he, to me, he's failed to maintain that status of don't care what it is. I'm there. It's no, let me tell me about it first. Let me see what you've done here. And, you know, then let me go check it out. So that's I've, unfortunate, but that's how I am with him now. I Yeah. And I think that's like, I want to like his movies. I actually thought knock at the cabin from what I saw. I was like, this is a chance. I think this is going to be a movie he can do really well with based on the premise and the way it was set up. And I explained why I was frustrated with it. And that's just where I'm at. I'm just frustrated. We've got three stinkers in a row. I just don't see a lot of hope, but he could surprise me. Split surprised us. You know, he could pull one out again. And I want to like his movies because when he does it right, it's great. So I know I came off as the biggest hater on here. Uh, yeah, you I did. But I want I want tough love. It's I just, want the tough. This, this was a good balance because I I think <laughs> we talked it. about the the stinkers. We talked about where he's failed, but we also talked about. I mean, we both, all four of us, had just incredible things to say about about signs and six sense and unbreakable. So, you know, he is he no is doubt. that guy. No doubt. No doubt. Taylor, bring us home, buddy. Well, I'm glad we finally got this. Off our chest and off your chest. (laughs) Yes. I've been wanting to do this for years. I mean, uh, I, I know he's never going to hear this, but you know, if he did, you know, 
me and Jake at least got your back. You got you got two automatic tickets for whatever. We're invited to the next premiere. The yes. <laughs> and you know, keep keep doing your thing. You they're not all going to be bangers and and great, but you know, most of them aren't going to be bangers. They're great, but keep going. But hey, I believe. I think he's got another good movie in him. I, I believe. And if not, there's always the next single from Midsize Sedan. That's yes. Right. But oh, hey, man. he had an incredible cameo in Knock at the Cabin. I thought that home shopping cameo was hilarious. I was laughing my ass so. off. Good on it him. That was, was pretty good. I like that one too. Well. Any any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Close it out. We'll we'll go to sleep and hibernate on M Night until his next movie in twenty twenty four. So or twenty five, whenever it is. So thank you guys for uh, indulging me. I think this was productive. I feel better. You know, I'm I'm glad Jake was here to back me up because could have gone completely sideways with these these two bastards ganging up i'm on glad me. too i feel i feel cleansed i feel that the zeitgeist around m night has been cleansed we did some good work here today yes we we stood up to the haters so thanks guys and what's our next what's the next thing we're going to talk about what's what's on your guys minds what's what's coming out you're excited about we got oscars coming we got, up dude. we got oscar season we're yeah. going to have to have an Oscar talk. Who's seen The Whale yet? Who's Is it just me? Just you, buddy, I, I think. Wait yeah, for we, screaming. We I did watch our... Banshees. Banshees was unreal. Loved it. That one's Banshees great. is good. I think that's fine. Tar was good. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe do an Tar, Oscars Tar and Fablemans are on my list, so. And then we got John Wick next month. I'm excited about that. And then Oppenheimer. But... New Nolan coming out in a couple months. Or when oh, when does that come out? Yeah. Is that the summer? Barbie, yeah. dude. Barbie. July twenty first. Endless go. content. Here we go. <laughs> There's yes. a lot coming up. We'll get the flow going. We the the stream was a little little light, so we'll get it a little stronger now. You know, it's constant content. But thanks you guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one. Peace.